Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Nick from Live Rehab. And I'm Denise. And today we're talking to you about taking inventory. I'm Nick Roberts. I'm Denise Roberts. And welcome to Addiction Radio, the podcast from Live Rehab. We believe people should be able to beat their addictions without having to give up everything. Your journey to recovery and a healthier life starts right now. Now, some of you will probably think, what are Nick and Denise talking about? What is taking inventory? We don't work in retail. I don't need to take inventory, but we're not talking about that kind of inventory. We're talking about your personal life inventory. Yes. So in this uh, talk, we have two sections. Um, The first half of the section, we're going to show you how to take inventory um, with your personal finances, um, how to take inventory with how much time uh, you're spending on your addiction, and also taking inventory on your overall well-being. And then in the second half of this talk, we're going to talk about things that you can do instead. Yep, there are lots of factors that are at play here for taking inventory. So let's jump on in. So what exactly is taking inventory? Well, taking inventory is a concept that we developed that helps people recognize where they are at in their recovery or in this whole process, like where you start from. Okay, so if you are currently and actively using, you can take inventory of uh, your current situation uh, as far as your time and your money and your overall well-being. But if you're not currently using and you're in your recovery, uh, you can go back and kind of start thinking about where you were right before you stopped. Uh, So this is a a way for you to be able to assess as you progress through your recovery how, how far you come. And it's important that you are able to figure out how far you've come because you need to recognize the journey that you're on and be able to really kind of look back and, and see where you were and where you've gotten to now so that you can appreciate the work and the effort that you're putting in to, you know, to get to where you are. And sometimes this is a long and grueling process and sometimes these changes are so subtle that you may not even recognize them. But if you take inventory and then you go back, uh, you know, six months later and you look and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that you know, I'm saving this much time or I'm saving this much money or I've made this much progress in my relationships. Um, It'll really help you uh, stay motivated throughout your whole recovery. Okay, let's start off by looking at the financial impacts of taking inventory. Now, for a lot of people, they get really excited when they're first kind of either in recovery or thinking about recovery or, or getting into that area and thinking about how much money they could be benefiting by not spending money on their addiction. So for things like alcohol or um, drugs or video games, it's, e- it's easy to make a connection with how much money you spent on a certain thing. So for video games, if you're buying things and games and upgrades and those kinds of things for your, for your, um, for your game, it's easy to see that, hey, I've spent this money. If I no longer spend this money, then I'm going to be that much better off financially. Yeah, so what you'll do for for this um, exercise is, is in regards to taking inventory on your finances is just start off slow and like get really detailed um, is in, and be honest with yourself. So for example, okay, if you go to the store every 
three days and you spend X amount of money on alcohol, okay? You'll take that amount and you'll divide it by three and then you'll get your daily amount. Um, and that's how much money you'll be spending. If, you, if you're a daily drug user, like figure out how much money you're spending every day and write that amount. So it's really important to start off with the daily amount and be honest with yourself. Like remember, nobody else is gonna see this but you. So if you're fudging the numbers or you're not completely honest with yourself, if you're not helping the situation at all. Now, if you're if you are dealing with an addiction or um, you know addiction behavior type of situation where there's not a direct expense, so you're not directly spending on something, um, you know, like if you were addicted to porn, then you may want to look at the financial impacts. Maybe you're missing work here and there, or you're not getting paid for things because you're not doing work, or or those kinds of situations. But also think about you know, um, are you on a higher internet package than you need? You know, those kinds of things, those types of costs. So get if you're unsure, you know, just, just try to be creative and figure out how much things might be costing you um, to have, you know, on a daily basis for that addiction. And think about it on terms of, like, if you're, if you're not uh, partaking in this specific addiction, would you be spending money on this? Okay, so, like, let's say if you're addicted to... Um, marijuana, uh, for example, okay? Um, how much money are you spending on weed? You know, that's easy. But then, like, how much money are you spending on snacks and, you know, like, things that you buy impulsively when you're high? Things like that. Definitely. Now, the interesting thing here is that once you've started, once you've figured out kind of daily what potentially you're, you're spending on, on your specific uh, addiction, you can start to think about the longer-term impact and the longer-term effects of not spending this money. So you can get really creative here and figure out, okay, well, now I know how much the daily spend is. How much is that weekly? Or how much is that monthly? And how much money am I saving here and putting towards my financial future by no longer partaking in this in this behavior or this addiction? And it's quite a, an interesting activity and it gets people really excited when you're really looking at that number. We've had clients go as far as like saying, okay, in a decade I can save this much or in a lifetime I can mm -hmm. save this much. So uh, so have fun with it. Um, you know, it, it might feel like super depressing at first, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I was spending this much money. Um, but just think about like this as, you know, your new chapter and going forward how, how that how you'll be so much more uh, financially free, uh, not having to give in to your addiction. And and you're right. It it might you might feel bad initially, but I think that it provides some motivation for you as well to say, okay, I'm not going to make that mistake again. I'm not going to you know do that. I'm going to instead invest in my financial future. And maybe you've set a big goal. And maybe you you know you can achieve that big goal now because you know you're able to put that you know, that money to better use. Okay, so now it's time to talk about how to take inventory uh, for the time that you're spending on your addiction. So time is, uh, it's an interesting one because this is not something that's like money is so cut and dry. So for some people, the time spent on their addiction is every waking hour. While others, it might be Friday and Saturday, Sunday, you know. But when thinking about how much time you're spending, think about the process from the beginning to the end. So if you're addicted to a substance, you're going to think about, okay, when did the craving start? Um, and then follow that through all the way through to the hangover. So how much time 
you know, you're on the phone with a dealer or you're going to the the alcohol, um, you're going to buy alcohol at the convenience store, like all of that, then you are, you know, drunk or high or, or whatever it is that you're addicted to. And then there's the hangover and the withdrawals. So just calculate all of that when you're thinking about how much time you're spending on your addiction. And again, you might need to be creative on this. You might, you know, it is up to you what you record. Um, if you're unsure, you, you can take a few days to kind of calculate those things out and put tap, you know, one way is to put tally marks down every time that you're involved in that kind of behavior or, you know, it's not a cut and dry, as you, as you mentioned, it's not set in stone. So there's no right or wrong way to do this. But, you know, the goal here is to figure out how much potentially daily or maybe weekly, how much time you've dedicated out of your life towards that so that you can then figure out in total how much time you might have spent in the past and how much time you can now dedicate in the future towards something else. Yeah, and it, again, just like the, the money one, if you're not sure, just think about it this way. If if you weren't partaking in your addiction, okay, would you be doing, like, would you be feeling this way? So, like, you might be like, okay, yeah, I was drunk, but I was still able to function and do X, Y, Z, but... If you weren't drunk, would you still be doing XYZ in the same way? It's a great point. So, I mean, there's some examples that, you know, that you can think of that, that might help to, to, you know, think back in the, your time period of your life, maybe, especially if you're, if you're no longer using or partaking in your, in your addiction, you know, try and think of times, significant times in your life that, that have been impacted by your addiction and how much time that took out, you know, potentially of the day. You know, there are certainly times where people go on um, full weekend long binges. And so record that whole time, record that whole time potentially um, as, uh, as an example that you can use. And then the best way, even if, even if you're not a daily user or if you don't partake in your addiction every day, the best way to do this is to um, calculate this maybe over a week, right? And how many hours you're spending on your addiction over a week and then divide it by seven so that you can get your daily amount. Even if, it's, if it equals out to be like four hours a day, but you're not using four hours a day, it's just an average, right? So you're, you're not really being like, oh yeah, I use four hours on Monday, I use four hours on Tuesday. It might be like all on the weekends or... Mm -hmm however it is, but you'll find your average, your average daily time that you're spending. And then when you have that time, that number, it's really then interesting when you start to multiply it by seven to get your weekly amount or by 30 to get your monthly or, you know, you get your yearly amount and then you can see that number and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I spent this many hours um, on my addiction and just think about like how much time you will have free. Especially because when you're in the action or you're in the behavior, it's very hard to recognize, oh, this eight hours, this, this whole eight hour block on this weekend day was dedicated to this behavior. And it's very hard to be outside of yourself to see that, to recognize that. And so this this activity is very powerful because it gives you that visualization without, you know, that outside of the constraints of, of being within it. For our third and final activity for taking inventory, we want you to take a journal entry and we want you to spend time analyzing 
the ways in which your addiction or your addictive behavior has impacted two areas of your life, the psychological aspects and the social aspects of your life. We, t- we call this taking inventory emotionally, okay? So there, you know, you have your time and you have your money, but what about other areas that don't necessarily have anything to do with time or money? Uh, what about things like your mental health? Um, like how has... How has your addiction played a role in this? So when you take inventory, I want you to think about if you're in active recovery or if you're in active addiction now, um, it'll be a little easier to think about like where you're at right now. If not, just remember to go back to where you were right when you left off um, before, right before your recovery. Um, but as far as like socially, think about the relationships that you may have damaged Um, throughout your addiction, uh, certainly ones that could have, uh, that you didn't want to lose. Um, So you're going to write these things down in your journal just so that you can, can see, again, the progress that you're making throughout your recovery. And this one is definitely not linear. This is not one that, that you can easily kind of calculate and write out. Everyone's answer is going to be completely different. Everyone else's situation is going to be very much dependent on the things that have happened in their life, and you know, to some degree, the the kind of the seriousness or the or the level at which the addiction and the addictive behavior was impacting your life, and so that's why it's a very personal kind of journal entry type of um, endeavor, because later on you'll be able to come back to that and look at the areas in which you've you know made improvements with maybe relationships, because maybe relationships was the one area that you know really impacted you and your addictive behavior, you know, porn addiction is one that, you know, there's, there's definite, you know, relationship and, um, um, situations where you've, you've impacted certain, um, social areas of your life as well. So you want to make sure that, that you've captured that information somewhere, but but it's not as easy as, you know, taking inventory of your finances and you're able to, you know, kind of write it all down in a numerical format. And really take inventory of your mental health too, because that that is going to be, I think you're going to see um, as you go through your recovery, you're going to have ups and downs and, and things, but that's one area that you are going to be able to look back on and be like, oh, wow, you know, I was at my lowest point in active addiction or I was suicidal and, and now I'm not and I have something worth living for or I had such severe anxiety that I couldn't go out. And now I can I can go outside and go to the store without being uh, super scared. Things like that. Now we're going to talk about one of my favorite things. And that is the sunk cost fallacy. Now I love the sunk cost fallacy because it applies to almost everything in your life. But I think with addiction, it plays a significant role in helping you to, you know, really break free from whatever it is that you're holding on to or whatever it is that has a hold on you. Because once you realize what the sunk cost fallacy means and how it applies to your life, you know, you're that much more powerful, you're that much more free to kind of make decisions to to cut away from those things. But what is the sunk cost fallacy? So the sunk cost fallacy is the belief that because you have invested time or money or effort into something that you're going to get a favorable result in the end. Even though logically, when you break it down and you look at it, uh, that end result is probably never going to happen. So I like to think of that part of it as sort of like wishful thinking. 
Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. Wishful thinking based on, you know, prior actions or things that you've done. You know, a simple example, you know, that, that can easily come to mind is very visible around stocks and bonds. Or if you've bought a stock and, you know, you bought it and you bought it at a high amount and it's just kept going lower and lower and lower and lower and it's basically worth nothing now but emotionally you invested up here because you invested up here you're you're just holding on even though all the news says this company is just going to go bust and you're still holding on because you've you've developed a sunk cost fallacy around that investment so a way that you can look at this in in terms of your addiction. Um, let me just give you an example that maybe uh, relates to addiction because you're probably like stocks. That has nothing to do with you know um, my addiction, but but it does because when you're in in an active addiction, that your whole addiction is basically a sunk cost fallacy because you're constantly telling yourself it's not going to be this way. I'm going to stop after this day, or I'm you know the I'm going to not use or I'm not going to drink or I'm not going to do this. But let's just say you say, okay, fine, I'm done. I'm over. I'm going to start my recovery. I'm, you know, I, I, if your drug of choice is alcohol, I'm not going to drink anymore. Okay. You're like, great. So I'm on recovery. And then you look over on your counter and you see a half a bottle of wine left. Okay. So what a lot of people do is they think, okay, well, I already bought that bottle of wine. I already paid for that bottle of wine. I might as well just drink it and then I'll start my recovery. And that's a sunk cost. That's a great example. And I think, you know, if you've got, you know, specifically paraphernalia and that kind of stuff hanging around or you've made investments based on kind of your behavior and your your addictions, those are sunk cost fallacies. If you've bought a very powerful gaming computer to play video games on, I'm not saying you need to throw it away, but you need to realize what you bought it for, the reasons you bought it for, and whether or not you're continuing to invest in it because you've got a sunk cost fallacy around you know, video games and video game addiction. Yeah, so as far as like taking inventory, when you work through those uh, practices that we were talking about, uh, the time and the money and the emotional um aspect of it really think about all the sunk costs that have gone into it like how many times in your addiction did you say okay I'm going to quit after this or I'm going to uh, you know stop using after this happens and and make note of of those sunk costs because I think those are really powerful so if you've been following along so far and you've completed all the activities and you've you've taken inventory on on your money you might be thinking Oh, this is great. I've just done the math. I'm going to have an extra $600 in my account every month because I'm not spending 150 a week now on cocaine. Well, we've got to be the bit of a bearer of bad news because that might not actually be the case. Now, why might that not be the case? So this is, this is difficult and it's a hard pill to swallow, okay? But when, when you stop using, you're going to be surprised... Um, how you were spending your money and how you were uh, managing your finances in active recovery. So for example, um, if you were spending $150 a week on cocaine, okay, most people um, 
would take that and instead of spending $150 a week wisely, they were spending it on something not wise. When you stop your addiction and you start managing your finances a little better, you're going to start to be like, okay, I'm paying my rent on time or my mortgage on time. I am uh, paying down my credit card or, you know, I've got all these bills that I'm actually paying. Whereas like when you're in your active addiction, those finances may have been neglected. So it's not necessarily that you're going to see cash in the bank and you're going to be like, woohoo, I've got all this new spending money. But you're going to see that you are much better at uh, being financially responsible now that you're not actively using You want to make sure that you're taking care of those things in your life and you're being fiscally responsible because that is ultimately going to lead you to a much better place. Yeah, and it's all about priorities, right? So uh, when you're looking at your your finances and you're like, okay, great, I have this uh, this money now and I'm I'm paying my bills on time, but I've got a little bit of extra cash on hand. Think about things that uh, you may have done in your addiction that you need to like repay, like. Like maybe you borrowed money from somebody. So instead of like investing in a stock or going on a vacation, um, hey, I remember that I owed my friend $200 when I, you know, asked him for money to buy whatever it was. Or I owe this much on back child support, you know, that I was neglecting. Um, So you want to make sure that you get all of that sorted out first. So again, it's not that you're going to see all this money in the bank and you're going to be like, woohoo, right? But you are repairing in the meantime, you're repairing your relationships and you're you're just being more responsible. And that's going to snowball. Now, just as we were talking about how you're not magically going to have a bunch of money available in your account. Once you've taken inventory of how much time your addiction was taking up in your life, you're going to find that you don't magically have eight extra hours in the week or five extra hours in the day. And that's because for a couple of reasons. So when you think about when you get your number, okay, and you get that magic number, whatever it is in a week, okay, just think about it as like sober time versus addiction time. Okay, so now you're just going to be doing all the things that you were doing, but instead of doing them while you were drunk or high or or whatever it is, you're going to be doing those same things uh, sober. Yep. And in the same way, there are obviously going to be examples. If you were playing video games for 12 hours on a Saturday, you will have 12 hours free suddenly on a Saturday. And it's going to be important that you choose what to do with yourself in that time wisely, because you will find yourself, you know, potentially triggered because suddenly you've got this free time and you don't know what to fill it with. Yeah. And this is a common thing too. So we, I don't know if you've ever heard of the word dry drunk, um, but this is common in alcoholism, but also in other addictions as well. And it's when you stop using, right? But instead of using drugs or alcohol or or behavior addiction, you do nothing, okay? So you just sit on the couch and you eat junk food and you watch TV and you literally do nothing. And that can drive you into such a deeper depression that you start to think to yourself, I was happier when I was using. Why am I even going through all this when I feel like shit anyway? 
That's a great point because the, the, the effect that you want to have on your time is not to simply eliminate the addictive behavior in that time. It's that you want to improve your life with the time, if that makes sense, so that you're filling it with activities or events or that you are really being within that time and you're experiencing life without you know, the influence of your addictive behavior or addictions. Yeah, so the best way that you can uh, fill in your time is to, to schedule it. And this is important to schedule your time because, like I said before, like you, if you don't know what to do or you're just kind of like, what do I do? You're just going to end up doing nothing. And doing nothing is not going to help you feel better. But if you start to, to schedule things in and start to actively take a role in, uh, in your life emotionally, um, you are going to have such a better outcome. So you can schedule things in like, okay, things you may not have done in your active addiction. Uh, maybe you're starting to eat healthier. Okay. But now eating healthier, uh, it takes time to eat healthy. It's not, you can't just like go to McDonald's, pick up food or, or whatever. You're going to have to like think, okay, what ingredients do I need for this meal? How can I cook it? How long is it going to take? So you'll be doing things like that. Uh, the gym, you or working out or exercising. Uh, you're going to be filling your time with, with those things, those healthy things, hobbies and that. Um, so that's, that's really going to be one of the key uh, key ways to make sure that you are going into your recovery um, in in a positive light. And it should feel good. I mean, honestly, it should feel good. I mean, you should be having fun with this time that you that you find now, even if it's filled with the same things that you were doing. There's a lot of people that would, you know, potentially go to work drunk. And so maybe that time now you're still at work. And it's, you, you know, so you haven't actually gained time necessarily but you've gained that sober time as as Denise mentioned at the beginning so you know be be conscious of those things as well yeah and then like congratulate yourself too uh with things like okay um you know I I'm going to work not hungover today this is great you know whereas like some days you'd be hungover and really sick and you know that's um, that's, those are some wins that you can, you can journal about and, uh, as you are, uh, progressing through your recovery. And that leads us on to kind of the next area that we told you to look at, which is around taking inventory on the psychological and social aspects of your life. And so then what can you do with that information now that, you know, you did that journal entry and you figured out where you were and what you were feeling and your mental health and the relationships that you had, what what can someone do with that now? Yeah, so so prioritizing is uh, is going to be important because uh, just like how we were talking about earlier, as far as like finances and how you would you know pay a family or a friend back before you would pay off your credit card. Same thing with uh, your emotional well being, um, as far as your mental health and your. Uh, social uh, relationships, right? So you have that list of things that uh, that have been affected during your addiction. Maybe uh, it's depression, or maybe it's um, you lost a relationship with a good family member. Okay, so what is the most important things that you should be focusing on, and like that will give you 
uh, the biggest wins and will benefit your recovery the most. And then those that aren't so important, you can always go back to those a little later. And no one can tell you what those priorities are. You've got to choose those for yourself. But you'll know personally the ones that you maybe you've impacted the most. And it can be simple. It can be, you know, I'm going to feel, you know, this week I'm going to feel much better about myself. This Just this week. And that's that might be different for you. You might feel that generally you didn't feel good about yourself. And so can you go, you know, a whole week feeling good about yourself? And once you can, then you can start building that momentum and gain traction in those in those areas for your life. And then in the same way with relationships, you know, there are obviously some people that you want to prioritize in your life, but, you know, choose who those are and, and which ones have the most positive outcome for, for your recovery. Yeah, and so to kind of go into concluding all of this and everything that we've been talking about, um, taking inventory really is a way for you to uh, watch yourself grow and think about it this way, okay? So like when, if, if you're a parent, right, and you you have a baby, right, you don't look at them every day and say, wow, you look bigger than you did yesterday, right? Because their growth is so subtle each day. But when you look back at their newborn pictures, you know, and they're five years old, you're like, wow, they grew so much in just five years. And that's what the whole point of taking inventory uh, is, really, is so that you can look back and you can be like, I cannot believe how far I've come. It's a way for you to measure the growth in your life. And it's a way for you to understand how all the micro changes and all the macro things that you've done on a daily, weekly, monthly basis have compounded and created this compound effect and turned you into the person that you really wanted to be. And you can't see that by looking at yesterday's activities. You can't see that by looking at last week's activities, really, not, not true growth, but, but detailing it and chronicling it and looking at it over time, you're gonna see those, how that person was and how that person is today. Absolutely. So we have a private Facebook group. It's called Sobriety Success. Uh, we welcome you to join. So just search for Sobriety Success um, or you can just go to our Facebook page. Um, and in this private group, if you're comfortable, we would love to hear your story. It really helps motivate other people. Um, so please join our group and uh, share your progress and your journey with us. Um, we'd be happy to hear that. Um, and if you have any questions, post them in the Q&A and we'll be uh, able to answer them there too. All right. Thanks for tuning in. This is Live Rehab and you've been listening to Addiction Radio, the podcast. You can follow Live Rehab on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next time for another episode of Addiction Radio. Thank you for listening.